The year is 1982, and a tragedy is about to take the nation by storm when seven innocent lives were taken by ingesting a common household pain reliever. These chain of events will forever change the way we handle, package, and distribute consumer goods. Tonight we will be discussing the Tylenol murders. With that said, roll the theme music. everybody and welcome to the strange heartland podcast i'm mike and i'm jory and tonight i have no clue what we're talking about jory has kept it a secret and she's been dying to tell me for like the last two weeks or so but uh so jory what are we talking about tonight we are gonna talk about the tylenol murders the tylenol murders yeah i've never heard of that um vaguely Really? Yeah. I would figure with being in Indiana that you would know because it happened in Chicago and it is what really set the tone for how products as medicine are manufactured today as in for like safety and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. So what's been going on with you? Oh, you know, just living the dream one letter at a time as a time <laughs> as a time i can't talk one letter at a time not getting paid what? Uh, not getting paid yeah for some reason i didn't get a paycheck this past uh um. pay period so i've been fighting with my job on that um and all in all to be honest i've just this whole pandemic and nobody wants to work and being short staffed i've just feel like my anxiety has gone up a lot more and my ADHD seems to be at its like all time worst. Like I'm not even kidding. Trying to research stories lately <laughs> have been like Pretty awful. Tough, huh? Yeah, they've just been tough for me because I get home after working a 12 hour day and then just having the energy to do any of the things that I like have been very hard. Right. So the depression is high, and for all of you who are out there working your butts off and don't have enough staffing, I feel for you. What have you been up to? Um, next week I have my second fitting uh, for my prosthetic leg, uh, working on the socket, and then hopefully by Thanksgiving I'll have my actual leg that I can walk around on full time. Why do I think that's so ironic that you'll have your actual leg for Thanksgiving when everybody wants like the leg of the turkey or the ham? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Morbid sense of humor over here. Yeah. <laughs> You're um, going to look badass, though. I will. I'm going to get the uh, machine gun attachment. That's going to so. be sick. <laughs> so I can walk around it's like a Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez movie. Oh my god! And then for next year for Halloween, we'll have to do Terminator. Ooh, yeah. Even though I've never seen any of the Terminator movies. Mm. Oh, Jory. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, let's dive into this. <clears throat> 
So on September 29, 1982, in Elk Grove Village, 12-year-old Mary Kellerman comes down with what seems to be just a runny nose and a sore throat and is given an extra-strength Tylenol capsule by her parents and sent back to bed. Sadly, her mother and father would soon find their daughter dead as she would be the first of many found dead from tampered Tylenol that was laced with highly poisonous potassium cyanide. Oh, wow. Yep. So, later on that day in Arlington Heights, and just so everybody knows, this all takes place in the Chicago area. So, just different suburbs, different Mm -hmm. little pockets of all around Illinois. So, later that day in Arlington Heights, 27-year-old Adam Janice, a a former postal worker, passes away from what was thought to be a massive heart attack. So, from what I read, he was a supervisor with the Postal Service, Mm -hmm. which when I found out that he had shoulder pain and went home for the day, it was kind of hard for me not to kind (laughs) of chuckle. You know all about that, huh? (laughs) Because I'm a postal worker and I double bag almost every day and have freaking shoulder pain. Mm -hmm. Um, Not making fun of that he passed away and everything, but just the fact that I... Scoliosis, bitch! (laughs) (laughs) But just just the fact that I'm a postal worker and then he was a supervisor and it is so hard to go home for anything, even when it's actually valid. So it was just kind of irony to me. So anyway, he's he's having shoulder pain. Mm Mm-hmm. And he decides to take the day off of work. Oh my and... god, he dies and we just made fun of him? Yeah, he dies. Ugh, damn it. He... <laughs> well, now he I t- feel bad. Well, and that's why I said, like... To the family, we... I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> well, this is 1982, so I don't think much of his family is around anymore. Which is also... 1982, well, that's only seven years before I was born, Jory. I know, which is so crazy because when I was researching this, I, I've heard this story before and I don't know why I thought it happened like in the 1920s or something. Like, <laughs> I think I've only heard They were heard taking it. aspirin back then for headaches. They were taking cocaine. Yeah, and bathtub gin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because actually, I went ahead and I called my mom when I was doing this research and I was like... Read the madness. Do you remember, like, seeing this going, like, nationwide on the news that... And she was like, yeah, I remember. Because she would have been, like, middle school, getting close to high school uh, age when this all took place. So, and she was like, yeah. And then the crazy part is, too, when we get further into it, and I talk about some of the copycat murders that happened, I guess my Aunt Phyllis, who lives in Indiana, I guess, like, five, ten miles out down the road from where she lived somebody had died from one of the copycat murders oh no so it always seems like right before we were born was like a lawless time yeah and like it was a fucking wild west you know what i mean well that's like, like i was it, talking they just lacked like common sense type of stuff like yeah we should probably make this tylenol like i don't know tamper proof so nobody kills anybody or example, when I was talking to my mom, I was like, but then again, should we be too hard on a generation that thought lawn darts was a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And have it for children. It was like five and up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, so basically he stays home and he, uh, takes an extra strength Tylenol and is soon taken to the hospital and is pronounced dead. Oh man. Yeah. So they thought, um, they mistook it as a massive heart attack at the time, which is weird because for 27, that's pretty young for a heart attack. Yeah. So, so basically at this point... His family. Hold on, obviously. I just want to do. I just want to do the quick math here. Do, 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 do. So he would have been thirty-five when I was born. Yeah. So he would have been sixty-seven. So that's not old at all, dude. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Exactly. And you're like, you're like, I don't think any of his family is still alive. <laughs> They're not that old, man. Of course they are. Probably. Well, like, it, well, like his parents. Unless, like, they all just fucking decided to take a poisonous Tylenol one day. Well. Okay. Yeah, but it's so hard. You can have like a cousins. Yeah, but for 82, you got to think. Think of like Hollywood actors that aren't alive that were, you know, big in the 70s and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, the, yeah. well, you know, the lifespan has like the lifespan of a human has grown so much. I mean, look at Betty White. I don't think Betty Betty White. Do you know how many people Betty White has worked with? The whole cast of Golden Girls. They're dead. And she is outliving them. Oh no, she's the last one? Yeah. Oh my god. And the other and the other ones died pretty pretty early on. They've oh, been gone for a while. Really? Yeah. It does seem like people got older quicker. <laughs> you know okay, I mean? sorry guys. We're going to go on one more tangent before we, we continue on the story because I want to know. I can't believe you didn't know that the cast of Golden Girls all died before Betty White. Who on the Golden Girls is still alive? Because I thought B. Arthur was on it. and No, B. Arthur died in 2009. 2009 she died? Yeah, she died when I was in high school. And then um, Rue McClannan, I think that's how you say her last name, McClannan. She played Blanche. She was the little saucy one on the show. Yeah. She died in 2010. So she died at 2010 at 76. B. Arthur died at age 86. Mm -hmm. Wow. Betty White was born 1922. That's crazy. And then Estelle Getty, who played Sophie, she died in 2008. So, like, the whole cast died, like, just a couple years, you know, wow. of each other. Yeah. And then she's, st- she's still going. Hmm. Yeah. So. She must make it to 100. She, I thought she was 100. I think she's 99. Hold on. I want to look up her. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> So, all right. Anyway, back from our... Where the uh, hell were we? I don't even remember where we were at. Welcome to the Tylenol murders after we just went through the Golden Girls. Uh, <laughs> Betty White is still the alive. Episode. She's the only one. <laughs> I love Betty White. All right. So anyway, so <clears throat> two dead so far. So Adam Janice's family obviously goes to the hospital um, to be with family. and after that they return back to his home to continue being with family as family normally does after really, a tragic does? yes mm. it is what really what family does mm. family does 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 will do <clears throat> all be together all in this together high school musical all in this together. 
I always wish I had hair like Corbin Blue. <laughs> no, I don't have any. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Mike! Hey, you can wear wigs. It's growing back. I love. It. I would be wear. I'd be wearing wigs if I were you, Sarah. Thinks, I would be. Sarah thinks my hair is going to be lighter than it was before. We'll see. So his brother Stanley, twenty-five, and his sister-in-law, which is Stanley's wife, Teresa, nineteen. They go back to Adam's house. And upon arriving, they are both experiencing headaches. Mm -hmm. And as I've read, is a common cause. I mean, headaches are normally caused to being emotionally drained, which obviously you would be in this situation. Stress, fatigue, all of that. Um, So they go into his bathroom and get into the medicine cabinet and both take an extra strength Tylenol. That same exact day, Stanley passes away. And Teresa holds in just a little bit longer and she doesn't pass away till two days later. So oh, now we're up to four people that have passed away. Oh my God. Throughout this whole incident, more lives would be taken. 35 year old Mary McFarland from Elmhurst, Illinois, was an office worker at Bell Telephone Company. She had formed a headache throughout her shift and took a Tylenol, and moments later was found on the floor of the bathroom floor by a co worker and was later pronounced dead. Man, this guy's racking up a body count. Yeah. 35-year-old Paula Prince of Chicago was a flight attendant returning back home from flying on duty. She was returning from Vegas, and she had stopped on her way home to pick up some Tylenol. She was found on her bathroom floor dead with a bottle of open Tylenol on her bathroom sink. Oh, my God. And then Mary Weiner of Winfield, Illinois, was recovering from her pregnancy. This is the most tragic one. Next to the 12-year-old, in my opinion, they're all sad. But this one... She was recovering from the pregnancy of her fourth child. She had gotten up to take an extra strength Tylenol to deal with the natural aches and pains after her pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And she was later found by her eight-year-old daughter when she collapsed on the floor. She was later taken to the hospital and upon arrival was pronounced dead. Wow. Yeah. That's terrible. So obviously all these deaths have one thing in common that they all took extra strength Tylenol. And during 1982, Johnson & Johnson, um, they were manufacturing Tylenol, and during this time, it was known as the best-selling non-prescription drug. Like, everybody took Tylenol. Runny nose. I mean, the fact that the first one to go was a 12-year-old, you know, now we have children's Tylenol. Mm -hmm. You're giving a 12-year-old an extra strength Tylenol. I mean... Which is, which is crazy because if you go into any doctor's office now, they'll tell you, like, you don't want to take a crap ton of ibuprofen. You don't want to take a crap ton of Tylenol because that stuff eats away at your stomach. Don't you know? stop me, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, due to these six common deaths and a short period of time and all of the common factor being that they took the same pain reliever, Investigators would soon start connecting the dots and sparking an international change in how products were going to be handled and manufactured today. Um, It really did cause like mass panic, Um, but I have to give credit to Johnson & Johnson because they were really quick to act and actively work with the media to issue like a mass warning to immediately recall. They recalled over more than 31 million bottles of Tylenol. It's actually one of the most historic documented recalls in history. Mm -hmm. Um, They notified every hospital and pharmacy in the country. They also 
I was watching like a little documentary. I don't remember if it was, um, it was a really short documentary. So I don't know if it was like a 90, um, 90 seconds documentary or something like that. Um, because it was just basically revisiting after a couple years had passed, but they actually had vehicles driving up and down the Chicago suburbs and areas where they were on megaphones or if they had a built-in speaker and they were basically like, don't take Tylenol, flush it. Flush it down. Yeah. They have footage. They had footage of on the, on the news coverage that you can go on YouTube where they were driving up and down the streets and they were like, don't take the Tylenol, flush the Tylenol. I also saw in the documentary that it was like one of like the first, like to go nationwide, like media coverage, you know, cause back then, you know, the news stations were so different and everything. And not only so many stations were able to um, like cover nationwide. You know, it's really interesting because I was listening to an interview with Dak Shepard, and I can't remember what co-anchor, CNN co-anchor or newscaster that he was interviewing, but he was talking about, you know, back in the day with CNN, you know, CNN really is kind of one of those news stations that unless something really tragic or disastrous happens, it's not your number one station that you go to. Now, you know, when the Twin Towers fell, when you know, big events like that happen, disasters. Yeah. Everybody quickly turns on CNN. Because they know that it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm just a huge, I just love history. I love pop culture. I love how everything in the world works. So it's just really interesting to me to sh- like see the evolution of like, I would love somebody to make a documentary just based on news media and how news media has evolved from the beginning of time from like the newspaper to when television started to becoming a thing because it's it really is interesting now i feel like we're so oversaturated minute by minute of news and media and coverage i don't think our brains are meant to take all that in i really don't i really miss the old days where you literally had to go back home flip the TV on or be home by the eight o'clock news to know what the hell was going on or have to talk to somebody. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. Sorry. I see where where you're coming from with that. Well, and I also think that kind of stuff generated people to talk more face to face to each other and not hide behind a screen, Mm -hmm. you know, because if, if you didn't have cable or if you didn't have like the best, you know, news channels. You had to discuss this stuff amongst your coworkers or whoever would talk about it with you. Right. And in tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so Johnson and Johnson is on it. They're getting everybody alert that something is going on and they're not sure because there's a lot of confusion. Also, another thing that I want to bring up that I found which was really interesting for two reasons. One, I would have not known this fact that I'm about to say if I wouldn't have watched, if I wouldn't have researched it on YouTube, but in all the articles that I had read and found on Google, they had never mentioned this nurse. I literally had to like type in nurse that had figured out that it was cyanide poisoning from the get go. So her name was Helen Jensen and she lived in Arlington Heights. So she was the nurse on duty when Adams had come in. 
And she had said, okay, this is really weird. He's only 27 years old. Why would he be having a massive heart attack? Um, And she ended up going to the Adams home and basically looking at the Tylenol bottle and was like counting like the tablets in it and saw that there were only, actually, I'm going to read this quote. So I got this from a website called patch.com forward slash Illinois forward slash Arlington Heights is the article. And there is a quote in here by Helen. We looked around and found prescription medication. Then I saw in the bathroom an open bottle of Tylenol. Jensen remembered in an interview with Patch on the eve of the 35th anniversary of the murders, I counted up the pills and saw six capsules missing and there were three people dead. I said, right then and there, it's the Tylenol. So she basically, from the get-go, was like, it's the Tylenol. Three people... Yeah, and she was on it, but in the article she goes on to talk about, she goes, well, I was a female nurse in 1982 and nobody wanted to believe that a female nurse would have picked up on it that quickly. So she's sitting here waving her hands in the air the whole entire time. It's the Tylenol, and it literally takes them like a series of weeks before they got other people in there to start looking at it Mm -hmm. and going, oh, yeah, the victim's skin is red, um, which is a symptom of cyanide poisoning. Also, fun fact that I learned in this research... Only half the population can smell cyanide. And can you guess what cyanide smells like? What? Bitter almonds. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And I actually knew that before I started doing this research because with how much true crime I listened to. But yeah, cyanide, um, it smells like bitter almonds. But the other fact I didn't know was that only half the population can actually smell cyanide because the guy who ended up doing the investigation said that he could smell it from the bottle. But apparently that's a trait that can that's only inherited by a certain select people in the population. So apparently people can't not all people can smell cyanide. Hmm. I'm trying so, to think if I've ever smelled an almond. I have a big bag of almonds in my freaking kitchen, and I'm not gonna lie, I totally popped that sucker open and was like sticking my <laughs> nose in it. <laughs> See if you can smell it. <laughs> that's <See> hilarious. <laughs> what are you doing, Jory? Oh, nothing. <laughs> Research. <laughs> Research. <laughs> Hashtag you like podcasts, Strange Heartland. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just thought that was very interesting that nobody, you know, believed her on that. So jumping back in, where did I leave off in my notes? Jack flash it. Gas, gas, gas. So moving forward to early October. Tainted capsules were starting to surface around grocery and drug stores around the Chicago air- area. That Luckily, sounds like a, like a goth uh, band name. Tainted capsules. Tainted capsules. <laughs> it does. Yeah. That's a good death metal name. Absolutely. That needs to be a shirt that we we make. Tainted, Tainted capsules. capsules, and it'll just be like the skyline of Chicago on a broken bottle of Tylenol. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> Thankfully. None of the bottles had been sold yet, so nobody had, from what we know of, haven't been poisoned yet. Um, the two, the three females that I had talked about earlier, it was really hard when I was doing some some of the research on the timeline because a lot of the articles told the same story, but the timeline as to where some of the deaths were happening 
which makes sense though, since they didn't really know what was going on. I mean, there was no court case that ever went over this because they never, they never found anybody. And I'll talk about how they had one person that they speculated and what went on with that. So Johnson and Johnson still being very vigilant in this unsolved mystery that's taking over the Chicago area. They start offering replacement capsules to those who turn in any tampered bottles, as well as posting a reward for anyone who had any information that would help in the arrest for whoever was behind these murders. So at this point, we got a country reeling. People are panicked. People, as as you can imagine, the poison hotlines are just ringing off the bell people mm-hmm. are freaking out i just took tylenol am i gonna die right, people are yeah. people are calling into hospitals checking in like uh, and i remember i don't remember what podcast i was listening to or where i read it but basically they said um if you're if you're still on the phone talking to me you haven't been poisoned <laughs> yeah um, yeah. Well, because I don't know if you know anything about cyanide. I mean, it, it uh, takes you out like immediately, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. it closes off your. It basically closes off your esophagus. It completely depletes the chemical in your body that helps you breathe. Basically, cutting off, like I said, off all oxygen. <clears throat> it makes your skin turn like a red. Um, and that was the other thing when they said the one guy died from a massive heart attack. His skin wouldn't have been red. He would have been more blue from having a heart attack and whatnot. Well, maybe not blue. I'm not sure, but I've never heard anybody having a heart attack. And that was a very bold statement you just made <laughs> without actually knowing. Wow. I don't know. Lord, you're a gambler, we're, aren't you? <laughs> we're gonna fact check. We're gonna fact check right now. What's the? Uh, what are you asking? What color are you when you die from a heart attack? Okay, first I'm going to look up cyanide and double check myself on cyanide. Here we go. According to emergency.cdc.gov, cyanide is a rapidly acting, potentially deadly chemical that can exist in various forms. It is a colorless gas such as hydrogen cyanide or cyan... I'm going to get so ripped apart for the words I can't pronounce cyanogen chloride or a crystal form such as sodium cyanide or potassium cyanide which potassium cyanide was what they were switching the powder out with the capsules which is so crazy because when you put them to the two and two together the stuff that's in extra strength tylenol the powder and then you put the cyanide powder next to it they look identical Cyanide is also known by the military designation. I don't know what that word is. I just know that the military used to use it as an execution form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of like, um, like when you watch um, like war movies and stuff like that, when they capture a spy, they have to check them for cyanide pills. Mm-hmm. So that's like, I just knew that it took you out like immediately. <laughs> that's, that's all I knew about it. Okay, here we go. How cyanide works. The extent of poisoning caused by cyanide depends on the amount of cyanide a person is exposed to, the route of exposure, and the length of time that the person is exposed. So there is definitely a lethal dose in those Tylenol tablets because they were they were dropping dead quick. Cyanide prevents the cells of the body from using oxygen. When this happens, the cells die. Um, immediate signs of exposure, dizziness, headache, 
nausea, vomiting, rapid breathing, rapid heart rate, restless, restlessness, and weakness, exposure to large amount of cyanide, convulsions, loss of consciousness, low blood pressure, so you know we got people collapsing on the ground, lung injury, respiratory failure, leading to death, slow heart rate. I was hoping it was going to tell me the actual chemical. I was going to get all scientific over here. So yeah, it basically just cuts off your oxygen. And with enough of it, it will make you drop dead. Hell yeah. Hell no. Oh yeah, hell no. <laughs> okay, so the country is reeling at this point, And the case just keeps getting more confusing. Why do you ask? Because when Johnson & Johnson goes to investigate... They find out rather quickly and put the two and two together that the con the contamination did not come within any of their plants. As the bottles, although they did come from the same lot number, they all, all came from different suppliers. As in the bottles that people had bought had all come from different places. So even though they were from the same lot number, that doesn't mean the same bottles from that lot are going all to the same place. Right. So this is when they finally are starting to put a hypothesis together or start to really speculate. Why won't my notes follow me? There we go. They are starting to speculate that somebody in the area must be driving around, going in, purchasing bottles of Tylenol, taking them back out, switching, because basically... At this point, how the original Tylenol tablet was designed was they just could twist that sucker off, dump out what was ever in it, put the cyanide in it, screw it back on. They basically um, put it back in the bottle, screwed the cap back on because this is before child safety bottles and... Um, Basically, what we know now, all the safety Ch features yeah, that are... childproofing crap. Yeah, or like the seals and all that. Yeah. And basically taking them back in, repackaged, and putting them on the shelf. Unbeknownst to anybody Un in the oh, store. What? <laughs> That's not hard. Unbeknownst. Unbeknownst. You're so close. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Unbeknownst. Be notes. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Welcome to the podcast where Jory can't pronounce words. I'm Jory. Just say un unknown. <laughs> unknown. Unknown to anybody. There you go. Listen, I try to learn bigger words. That's not really considered big word. You, I bet everyone's you like. You've tried and that's what counts. I feel like people are like. This is a great podcast, that Mike guy, and then there's just that idiot girl that he brought on. <laughs> Entertainment. What the hell is he thinking? <laughs> this is so much better before she joined. Yeah, so he puts it back on the shelf. Nobody knows. Nobody in the store knows, which is weird because, well, I mean, security cameras probably weren't as crazy as they are now, so. I don't think so. I think they were only, like, maybe put in select areas. They probably didn't have... It's not like now where there's, like, 20 billion cameras in the store. There's one right here on this section. You can't even buy Sudafed mm -hmm. without going and getting somebody to take it off the... Like, Sudafed's in a locked box now. Yeah. 
I think you can make meth out of it or something. I think that's why they lock it up. Um, my fun fact is when I worked at Menards, um, you had to have your ID on you to buy what's it called? Lye? Is it is it lye? Yeah. What's that powder? Mm-hmm. Yeah, lye. lye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> because people would use it to um, make drugs. But here in Indiana, the Amish like to come and buy it because apparently they make soap with it. That's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yep. <laughs> yep. The more you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, lost my place in my notes again. Because it scrolled down too far. Unbeknownst. <laughs> You're never going to let me live that down. I, n- I need to write it down so I don't forget. <laughs> So like I said, they are slowly putting together that it's not coming from any of their plants. So during the investigation, there was one man that people still today even speculate that he was behind it. And his name was James Lewis. He was from New York and he wrote a ransom letter to Johnson & Johnson demanding one million dollars in exchange to basically no longer be poisoning people around the world with their product. Wow. In the end, after a lot of investigation, there really wasn't enough evidence um, for them to pin the murders on him, which is really weird because also while researching, like, he he, he writes a letter, but then when they confront him, he was like, ah, oh, no, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. That's funny. Yeah. Um, I also learned, too, that uh, I believe it was Manson that they they did some kind of investigation into him as well, but there nothing came out of that. Charles Manson? They, yeah, they thought he had something to do with it, mm. which I thought was interesting. They did try to reopen the case a couple years later on him and still... Like, they went through his computer and a couple other things, and there was still not enough evidence to truly pin it on him. Mm -hmm. But right before I got on here with you, I was watching just a little bit more stuff that I was finding on YouTube here and there. And they actually have camera footage, what appears to be James standing behind a woman in a grocery store who was about to purchase Tylenol. In the end, he was charged with extortion and sentenced 20 years in prison. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting because it's a it's a really short true crime story, but it's so interesting because it's just there's just so mis- there's so much mystery to the case that's still left over because they never found anybody. Hmm. They've it's still unsolved. Um I just hear Robert Stack's voice right now. Ah. If you or anyone you know, <laughs> call 1 800 Crime Stoppers. Oh, yeah, Crime Stoppers. That was it, yeah. Ah. <laughs> if I could raise anybody from the dead to be on our show, I love that man. I love that show so much. I think that's why I love your voice so much because when you talk, you remind me of like when he talks because you have just have like that soothing voice, like that creepy, ominous. Danger is looking around the corner. You're flattering me. <laughs> so sadly, the case still, obviously, for the hundredth time, how many more times can I repeat words that I'm terrible at, uh, goes unsolved. And 
The saddest part about it is the families of the victims never get any closure yeah. for their loved ones is probably the like that's honestly the saddest thing, especially for the one that lost a twelve year old. Yeah, no kidding. I couldn't imagine. I also would be paranoid and would never want to take a pain reliever ever again in my life. Did that guy that they think did it? Did he have a background in like chemical engineering or something or what? I mean, no, he literally just came out of the woodwork and was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm the Tylenol killer," and they were like. Okay, let's look into this. And they're like, but he lives in New York. Like, logically, how could he? I mean, he could have spent time in the area. Right. But at the same time, it doesn't make sense. I don't think it was him. I don't think so either. A lot of people think it was him, but I don't think it was. Unless, like, I don't know. Can you easily make cyanide out of stuff you can buy? Well... Then again, it was like the Wild West back then. You can buy whatever you want. <laughs> how do you even? How do you even make cyanide? I don't know. It's, it seems to me like, and it seems to me like you would kind of have to have some sort of knowledge like of FBI, chemistry or something. Like, I feel like the FBI is going to show up at my house tonight as I type in how to make cyanide. How do you make cyanide? <laughs> um. Yeah. Actually, they might, <laughs> they might. Excuse me. I have a. I have a podcast. Here's my business cards. If you could take them back to the FBI agency, if you guys have some downtime and are bored. <laughs> okay. I have it here. Here's a complete recipe on how to make sodium cyanide. First, 100 grams of sodium. Also cyanide. a disclaimer. <laughs> nobody go make cyanide. Don't be an asshole. Don't be stupid. Poisoning people is bad. Just don't do it. Uh, how do you get your hands on, see, it seemed, okay, all right, like, I'm looking at the ingredients right now, it's 100 grams of this, 12 grams of this, 43 grams of this, heated to a certain degree, like, stirred at least an hour, seen... it seems like, it, it seems like you would have to, why does it sound like how Martha Stewart explains how to make her recipes? A cup of this, a cup of that, a cup of this, you know, a teaspoon it's of this, like a pinch. Somebody would have to have some sort of background in chemistry or like, a, I don't know, maybe like a pharmacist or something. I have no idea. Well, and also, too, like, to to keep, cons like, seven people were murdered to... So to drive around back in the 80s to all these different locations where they weren't too close, but not too far apart from each other. It had I to feel have been a like way, a local, right? In my opinion. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, it had to be somebody. If it was old boy, why wouldn't he just do it in New York? He'd take a lot more people out. And Johnson and yeah. Johnson would notice. See, and that's why I think the killer, whoever he was, I don't think he was interested in. Honestly, I think he was just somebody who was bored, who was too smart for his own good and was like, oh, I wonder if this would it would work. Because right. if you pay attention to any true crime, like people like Ted Bundy and other people like they wanted to kind of be found out. Like how they say statistically that when somebody murders somebody, they will normally revisit right, the crime scene. Right, they'll go back scene. to the crime scene. Yeah. They'll go back to the crime scene. I think this person was just cruising along, just fucked in the head and was like, eh, I'm going to go put cyanide in Tylenol. 
could you imagine like this recall in today's climate? Oh my god! They, oh, they so- they want you to throw them out. That's exactly what they want, so they can implant you with a microchip. <laughs> or was or was social media like Johnson and Johnson would not get the credit for how much they did during this time to take it seriously? They would be like, "Oh well, how would this blah 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 blah, blah. like it, dude." With how media and how the world is today, especially with this pandemic, oh my God. So just a couple facts on Johnson & Johnson. Uh, before the murders, they controlled 35% of the market for over-the-counter pain relievers. And after the murders, the numbers would drastically drop to less than 8%. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So they were basically being treated like Tylenol is no more. They're going to tank. That's crazy. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But since Johnson and Johnson was so quick to react to the situation and to keep everybody updated, they spent over a hundred million dollars in investments to basically start creating new product to help make it tamper proof. Awesome. Um see which and also I think I remember I hate when I, I remember if you ever have like when you're doing research, you remember hearing something and then you have it like on your sticky note to look further into it to put your notes. But your sticky I note think... gets kind of dirty on the back and then doesn't stick to anything anymore. And then like, you just end yeah, up losing it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I th- I remember reading somewhere. I think they were one of the first to really implement um, a crisis hotline. For like their kind of company mm-hmm. for people to call. Because obviously there's like the poison hotline. Or is poison hotline that you can call? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think having the customer service where they can call the company direct and having somebody like there um, was like one of their, their first like persistent ideas. That's cool. So in terms of developing new product to protect um, their consumers... And for this incident ever happening again, they were introducing tamper-proof packaging, which includes the foil seal. So, yeah, the seal was their idea. So, you know, when you open up your bottle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously, we have the child-proof now. And I also wonder if they were the ones who came up with the idea to put cotton in. You know, like when you open it up and there's cotton in there on top? I just had a theory. Ooh, what? What if? It was an inside job, okay? So, somebody at Tylenol was like, guys, this is stupid. Why, you know, like, these can be easily tampered with. Whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, he became, like, extremist about it, right? So he was like, fuck Johnson & Johnson, because he works, like, Johnson & Johnson owns Tylenol. But oh my not- god, was he like the... Was he like the stapler guy from like Office Space, and they just freaking discredited him all the time and like threw him to the side? Yeah, and they were just like, "Oh, like we can't genius. afford the yeah, it's just not reasonable, whatever." So he uh, decides to burn down the the house or whatever. But he was like, "All right," so he just starts doing this, and <sighs> then finally Johnson and Johnson is forced to do something about it. Oh, dude, that's a good theory. Yeah. And that's totally believable. Like, somebody was like, oh, whatever. Like, it's fine. That's freaking crazy. So anyway, 
Like I said, they spent all this money and thanks to their sensitivity to the situation and their hard work, they would quickly make their way back to the top and once again become the nation's favorite pain reliever. It would also, which I found very interesting because it made such an impact on the country, it is actually a common case study that is taught in business schools. So they do a deep dive into this. Um, probably because it was so successful. Well, and you know how to handle crisis management, right. basically, yeah. and just studying how the company handled it. Right. Um, the two biggest things that come from this is also in 1983, U.S. Congress would pass what would be the Tylenol Bill, basically making it a federal offense to tamper with any consumer product. And then 1989, the FDA would set in stone guidelines that would require all manufacturers make all similar products tamper-proof. What if, note the theory, what if it was actually somebody from a rival aspirin uh, pain like reliever? Advil? Like, what if it was like, yeah, Advil, like the Advil dudes, and they're really like, fucking... NyQuil. Fucking, <laughs> fucking Tylenol. That's it. <laughs> what other I want to look it up I want to look it up real quick what other drugs were popular in the 80s because obviously the vast majority of what we have now is not what was back then also and then I'm going to look up because I was trying really hard but then I ran out of time um, from the span of 1980 to 1990 when this was all going on there was a slew of copycat murders so people were like oh <laughs> That seemed like a great idea. Why didn't I ever think of that? Mm. I'm going to copy that sociopath. So they were going and tampering with other drugs. Did but I, get um, I think one did, but that's another story I want to cover in true crime um, because the husband was the one found poisoning his wife. Oh. So that might be a story for another I day. See. But um, I think it was BuzzFeed. Yeah, it was BuzzFeed that I was watching on YouTube. And they said that people were like all different kinds of crazy things they were tampering with. Like they were starting to tamper with food. They were just whatever they could freaking put cyanide in. They were getting stupid with. Wow. So I want to look that up. I want to fact check that real quick before we finish up. What was the other thing that I just said? God, my ADD, ADHD brain. Uh what was the other thing that I said I was going to fact check? I don't know. Just now you said it? Yeah, I just... Oh, my God. <laughs> I fucking can't. You should have wrote it down, dude. Oh, other drugs. Other drugs that were popular in the 80s. Popular over-the-counter drugs in the 80s. You know, I always think... I. Just a disclaimer for everybody. We've said this in our prior episodes. We do make jokes, <clears throat> but that's just because, especially when you research this shit all the time, it can get very heavy, but we mean the utmost respect of the people that we talk about and we cover. Not me. Why do you gotta do that? <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this episode, leave a review about me, not Mike. Yes, I know. I can't pronounce shit. <laughs> nope. I just keep eating drug abuse. <laughs> Somebody's... <laughs> 
<laughs> the FBI agent looking at my fucking. <laughs> oh my god! Nobody could ever call us fucking researchers. That's for sure. <laughs> it took like two minutes. Nope, that's it. <laughs> you went to like two different sites. That was it. <laughs> no, I was scrolling through the page and it was like opiates, drug addiction. I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out the pop culture. Oh, so by the way, side story, little fun story for people. Um, I think about you all the time when I'm delivering mail because on one of my routes, there's a Mike Walter house. Ooh. Not Waterhouse, Walter house. I was like, oh, he's the bougie version of Mike Walter house. <laughs> I feel like he has a monocle. Okay, so it's a beverage. It's another beverage. Um, Aronaman. That does not sound something I want to drink, but it is a Japanese beverage that is uh, sold in vending machines. Oh, maybe this will be another story. The vending machine murders. (sighs) That sounds so less scary. (laughs) Put a coin in for your death. Was that a real set of murders? Or did you just make that up? No, I'm on I'm on CBS or CBC News hmm. in this article. Um, the death toll across Japan was as high as twelve, making the so-called vending machine murders possibly the deadliest product tampering case in history. So it's like right up there next to the Tylenol oh, murders because yeah. it took more people than it did. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to write that down, and then I get to try and say this word again fifty billion Go times. Ahead and try it for me. <laughs> my brain has already forgot how to pronounce it or or an ornament so close (laughs) aronaman dude aronaman aronaman it's an energy drink with added vitamins. There we go. And it sells billions every year. Wow. Good for them. It was not laced with cyanide. It was laced with something else. Mm. So I'm not going to get that away because I think that might might be my next story. Oh, maybe yeah? I'll have like really? A, maybe. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to try to learn to pronounce all the Japanese, <laughs> the Japanese names? Well, I was going to mm. do a three-parter on Ted Bundy, but I think maybe I should do a whole series on product tampering. Oh, yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. Um, You know, because it's about to be Christmas. Tis the season. It's all about the product. Tis the season. Okay, uh, 1986. About that? What? Actually, this really got me upset. Dude, it was the day of Halloween. Sarah gets home, and she brings home some candy to hand out. Trick-or-treaters. The Reese's Uh they had was fucking Christmas trees already. Ah, no. It was Halloween! (laughs) Also, I noticed when I was passing out candy on Halloween, kids don't say trick-or-treat. They walk up to the door and blankly stare at you. What? Did you have that problem? I had so many kids. Dude. I didn't have anybody. Where <laughs> where I live, dude, it looked like the fucking parent pickup line on my street at one point. Because parents were just driving down the street following their kids. So at one point I had a line of 12 kids outside my house. And then cars just shuttling in and off my tiny street. Uh, what, where I live. How? In Al- I feel like an old timer now. Because like when I was a kid, 
Dude, like we'd go to different neighborhoods. We parked the car and we'd walk the neighborhood with my mom or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, listen to this. Josh goes, I was like, oh, hey, are you going to be home in time for trick or treating? It ends at eight. He's like, eight o'clock. It's going to be well after dark. I'm like, yeah, who goes trick or treating in the daylight, Josh? That's not cool. It's not cool. You get started at dusk. <laughs> yeah, but I had so many people just like blankly stare at me. Oh, the winning people in my neighborhood was the cute, adorable little girl dressed up as Oscar the Grouch. She's the only person who gets a pass for not saying trick or treat because she was fully in character. Hmm. I would have also accepted Scram. I wonder. Uh, I wonder why they don't the say guy- trick or treat anymore. That bothers me more than it should, probably. Oh, yeah. I looked at my friend and I was like, okay, the only acceptable reason not to say trick or treat is if part of your costume, you have a little tag that says you're a mute and you're dressed as a pirate. Like, that's the that's the only plausible reason not to say trick or yeah, treat. That's weird. Parents, All right, so moving do better. On, do better. Um, hold on. I accidentally clicked out of my box. Excedrin, 1986, in Washington State. Two people died after taking cyanine laced excedrin. Mm. Sudafed, nineteen ninety one. Also in Washington, two people cyanine laced. Yeah, so I don't know what Buzzfeed was talking about. Buzzfeed was like this video on Buzzfeed was listing off. They were listing off a whole bunch of stuff. They were like a banana and like corn and all this crazy shit. And I was like, what? Oh, also the other thing that i forgot that johnson and johnson spent money on was they came out with a completely different they completely designed a whole new um capsule for tylenol Mm. they came out with a more uh slicker gelatin that basically went around the whole tablet so you couldn't just twist that off they basically sealed the whole tablet and made it easier to swallow and way harder to tamper with and um yeah that is the famous Tylenol murders. Wow, Jory, that's crazy. So you're going to do a whole, um, you decided to do a whole. I don't know, I might. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm really, I'm really interested to do this Did one I on the word that I already. Um, I know the one for the one girl that I said they did. As in the ones that I'm looking at now, I won't know yet. All right. I hope you were entertained. I hope I didn't give you a headache and make you too scared to take Tylenol. Dude, I've taken so many Tylenol this last year. Dude, I freaking steamlined ibuprofen into- a thought in my mind. Hey, this could be tampered with. I don't know. I honestly should be dead already because with how stressed out I've been, I have been steamlining so much ibuprofen <laughs> and energy drinks to get through my day. Your ulcer is ginormous. And you're- <laughs> oh, God. I wouldn't be surprised if I have a bleeding ulcer from how much the Postal Service is stressing me out. Yeah. Hey, USPS, pay my girl. What's up with that? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, what do you have planned for next recording sesh, Mike? Or are you going to keep it I'm not going to keep too? it a secret because I think it'll get you pumped up. I'm actually going okay. to be talking about werewolves across <gasps> the Midwest. You know what's so crazy? Maybe I'll do my original story because for some reason I thought I was going to get to do a Halloween episode. I was going to cover the werewolf murders. Oh, well, there we go. So nice tie-in. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get uh, we'll get saucy next week and we'll both record. 
on an episode. Okay, yeah, sounds good to me. We would appreciate it if you'd stop by iTunes and leave us a rating and review. It helps get the podcast noticed to more listeners like you. Ooh, that rhyme. I felt like Dr. (laughs) Seuss. Stop by strangeheartland.com and check out the website. You can get a hold of us and tell us your strange experience for our listener story further on down the road. While you're there, check out the merch. Every penny goes to improve the podcast. And as always, are you going to say it tonight? I'm Jory Seekers. And I'm Mike Waterhouse. Walter House. <laughs> and good night. Good night. Are you going to say it? Stay spooky, you folks. fucked it all <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get over it. We sounded so creepy. We sounded robotic. <laughs> it's unnatural. <laughs>